Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. See you in hell. Oh, the Tales from the Dark Side episode. You know that you read it before you downloaded it. Am I wrong, Pat? You're not wrong, Joe. Is this Joe DeRosa on one side of your head and Pat Walsh on the other? That's right. We're on either side of your head, so you can watch the movie up the middle if you choose to do so. Uh, the We'll See You in Hell podcast is now part of the Fangoria Podcast Network. For more info about the network, including other programs, how to follow this show, how to follow those shows, or to find episodes of any show, uh, please visit Fangoria.com. Let's get on with it. I'm excited about watching this tonight. By the way, people at home, start queuing up your Netflix. Do you want to tell them about how we're going to be at the uh, Mile High Horror Festival? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll tell them about that while you find Tales from the Dark Side. Hit play, pause it on as soon as it starts so we can all start together in a few moments here yes why don't you tell him pat okay uh i th- i'm just a little concerned i'll get the date wrong but uh we're gonna be in denver colorado doing the podcast live we're not 100 percent sure we're allowed to tell you what the movie is uh so we're not going to but we will closer to the date and that date is uh, october 3rd which is a saturday and we will be if i'm not mistaken at 8 20 in the morning <laughs> I think we can tell them now because this is going to come out the week of the festival. Okay, then let's do it. Uh, it's We're doing Maniac Cop 2. Maniac Cop 2, which I have never seen. I'm going to watch it ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You haven't seen it either. Uh, I, have, I have not seen it, and I'm embarrassed to say that. I've seen Maniac. I've seen Cop and a Half. I've seen Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. I've read Maniac McGee. I've seen Mr. Magoo. I never knew. I, I, when never I, Maniac Cop too. I always thought Maniac Cop was. I, I didn't. I didn't know it was like so lauded as a as a as a series. But I wouldn't have even thought is. horror necessarily. I thought I would have thought Maniac Cop was like a extra violent, dirty, hairy kind of thing. Uh, well, yeah, they told us that what we were doing is Maniac Cop Two, uh, and beloved, and we're going to seem like buffoons because it's apparently very beloved in the horror community. Well. Here's the thing. Um, we're not going to seem like buffoons, number one. Have God, a little, I hate seeming like a buffoon. <laughs> have a little more self-esteem than that. We're going to do just fine. Okay. There's nothing wrong with vulnerability. <laughs> That's what I've learned in this business. Sure. Is is you got to have a little vulnerability. The yeah. only comedians I like are vulnerable and let you in. Who wants a conceited comedian? Yeah, exactly. You got to go out there. You got to say, hey, folks, I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. I've never seen this before. I just watched it last week, and I loved it. Right. You uh, come out, and you're like, hey, I had a uh, threesome last night. Then everybody's like, ugh. Yeah. But you come out, and you're like, hey, I don't know how to talk to a goyle. 
then everybody loves you. Exactly. That's my advice for upcoming comedians. And I would also say Guil. I agree with that. Uh, let's start this movie. Uh, right. And we can, uh, you know. Oh, and that was the one other thing I wanted to say was when I when Fangoria told us eight thirty in the eight twenty in the morning, oh, yeah. whatever. I was like, wh- I said, what? what? Who the hell is going to come to a live <laughs> podcast at eight twenty? Right. And their response was, people will always come for Maniac Two. Yeah. And that's when I, or Maniac Cop Two, excuse me. I and love that's it. when I knew we had a goodie on our hands. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I'll be drinking at 8.20 in the morning that day. You know, you think, well, it's insane. How could I possibly drink at 8.20 in the morning? And then you remember old friend Bloody Mary. Well, I go for screwdriver. That's fine, too. Yes. There's a whole line of breakfast drinks that you forget about <laughs> to help the uh, alcoholic who might enjoy a brunch. You <laughs> should there. have a, an aisle for it yeah. in the supermarket. All right, you should be all queued up by now uh, and paused on the first, uh, you know, frame or so of the movie. We'll say which one, is two, three. The star is starting to come into the yeah. Paramount logo, which is my favorite logo of all time. We'll say uh, one, two, three, play, and we all hit play on play. Here we go. One, two, two three, three, play. play. And we're rolling. The stars are swirling their way around the mountain. All right. This is Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. It came out in 1990. Turned a nice little profit for Paramount Pictures. I thought I had never seen it, but as I watched it uh, earlier tonight, I started watching them ahead of time because otherwise I focus on the plot and I don't talk as much. Um, I realized I had seen the opening, which we're about to see, where Deborah Harry has a young Joey Lawrence. It's not Joey Lawrence. Daniel Lawrence. Yeah. The kid from, actually, Planet Trains Automobile is one of my favorite movies. They are brothers. They look exactly alike. Yeah. And uh, he's locked up in the kitchen. And I remember being horrified by it. I watched it now. It's it plays as a comedy, if anything. Yeah, it's 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 like the lighthearted wraparound story, even though the premise is that she's going to eat him. Right. But uh, I like a movie with a good reach around story, oh folks. What's the matter are with the, you? These are the jokes, folks. Um, but yeah, it's, this, it's, I saw this in the theater on opening weekend. I couldn't wait because I was such a Tales from the Dark Side TV show fan, and I was mesmerized through the entire thing. Mesmer- See now, Not you, one part of it scared me. I loved every minute of okay. it. Okay, yeah. See, uh, you said one of your favorites of all time in the horror genre. I'm, I'm nowhere near that, and I think it probably has to do with when you saw it. For example, I showed you Tremors, which I would consider one of my favorites of all time, and you were, you know, you enjoyed it, but were fairly indifferent to it. I, in, I was, I, I wasn't indifferent. I enjoyed Tremors, but to me, Tremors is more of a, of an action, comedy with horror elements in it. It's, Fair. it's more of a. Uh, canine, if you will, or <laughs> Turner and like Hooch. Canine. Tremors was was uh, my <laughs> style of scary when I was that age, where not, I I could it's handle. Literally it. not scary. There's literally nothing scary in it. Oh, there, there's a lot of monster attacks. I'm saying I couldn't handle much, and it was right up my alley. No one would say like, "Oh, Tremors was fucking sick, bro." I also like a but monster with a personality. I like a monster with some personality. I'm not a fan of just a big, you know, lumbering worm. I think doesn't really. You, you, mean, know. you mean a graboid? Yeah, a graboid. I Sorry, excuse me. Now, are you going to see the the new Tremors when it comes out? I, or I think it just did, or it's about to. They're up to like five, and I've been talking about it for years. And they actually just discussed it on Key and Peel that I I went with the the uh, series for about three until they had them up and walking around like dogs, which is the the whole hook 
is that, hey, we got a movie about giant underground worms. And right. then they just make them walk around like little dogs. Right. Well, just make Cujo again if you're going to do that, Tremors people. I'm, I don't have a beef with a worm dog. No. It's one of the animals I'd like to see. The if thing I was definitely definitely had the most effective worm dog. Yeah, I'd like. There's that Twilight Zone where the kid imagines the monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and like he always imagines them like with like eight eyes and stuff. Right. Like he'll imagine a dog with like eight eyes. It's called "It's a Good Life," and then the kid will be like, the kid will be like, that dog was funny. I made it had eight eyes, but I got bored with it, so I made him go dead. So my point is, is if I was the kid that could do that, I'd invent the worm dog, and then I'd make it go dead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't really follow that, Joe, but <laughs> I hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, I did. The first and last, there's three segments on this wraparound deal. My favorite type of horror, anthology horror. I love it. Yeah, I know you love it. I, I like it kind of like, oh, it's fun. I wish this movie had had three different directors, like a Twilight Zone the movie. It felt very stylistically similar to me. Well, it's, it's but it's, it's what, now here, let me tell you why I love the m- movie. Right, My favorite Jeff. franchise in horror is Creepshow. Uh, Creepshow 1 and 2, to me, are masterful films. Uh, this is arguably maybe the best of the three. It's not called Creepshow, but it's the same group of people. It's Tom Savini, George A. Romero, and Stephen King were behind this. Uh, one of the stories in this, Cat from Hell, was supposed to be in Creepshow 2, uh, but they, I guess because of budgetary reasons, they cut two stories out. So it did make it into they this. Didn't have the money to have a cat chase around a guy in a damn wheelchair. Well, that's there's <laughs> a little more to the story than that. But I guess the, there is uh, one special effects scene. But <laughs> for the most part, it's a guy in a wheelchair yelling. Tom uh, Tom Savini has gone on record as saying this is unofficially Creepshow three. There is a movie called Creepshow three, but none of the original Creepshow people have anything to do with it, and it's an abomination. So how'd they get the rights then? I think they they probably the the rights to the name were just probably up, and they it, it's oh. not like they recreated any characters, you know. Yeah. So, um, but in my opinion, Creepshow one, Creepshow two, and Tales from the Darks of the movie, it's a it's a virtually flawless horror trilogy, which is very hard to come by, as even the most astute horror fan would agree. Yeah, so and I, I I think I find them pleasant diversions. What is that? <laughs> you know, like they're. They're kind of middle-of-the-road, uh, cool little scary stories to me, but I don't think of them as being great horror films or anything. You mean the anthology stories? The whole shebang, yeah. I uh, Well, look, I, I, I will say anthology is not for everybody. S- certain people get annoyed because it's too, they feel like they can't settle into it. Yeah, it's a little too short to get, you're too invested in anything, and then... Uh, it's you know. right up my alley. It's right up my short attention span alley. Well, for this MTV generation, Joe, <laughs> and you, you know you're about thirty, forty years younger than me, so give, give me a give me a hot twelve to eighteen minute tale any day of the week. I mean, I love it. Twilight Zone. How about is a hot twelve to eighteen year old tale? I'm not into that, Pat. M- me neither. I'm glad you squeezed in. <laughs> Another pedophilia bit. I, I certainly did. Yeah, there you go. I held back a terrible joke just there that I, I guess I'll share with you after. <laughs> Let's just say it involved the phrase, squeezed it in. Uh, I, uh, I imagine. <laughs> I imagined as much. Um, folks, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, stars Steve Buscemi and Julianne Moore in maybe, if not their first film, an early one for both of them. 
Well, and that was kind of cool for me. If you're watching along with us, the first story is starting now, uh, called Lot 249. Right. Based on an Arthur Conan Doyle tale. Um, starring Buscemi. It stars Buscemi, Christian Slater, and Julianne Moore. Talk about a different time. Slater's the big name in this. Slater's the big name. When this came out, Slater was the guy. The other two, it was like, who cares? Hot off, pump up the volume. Yeah. Which is still a great a, movie. Still a big Slater fan. I, I get. I yeah. like that Mr. Robot show that he's in. I, I always get excited when I, I see I haven't Slater. seen it, um, but I, I may check it out. It doesn't. It's not jumping off the shelf at me, but I've heard a couple recommendations. It's pretty great. It's pretty great, but that's for another podcast. All right. You want Mr. Robot talk? Go listen to the Ro- Mr. Robot podcast. All right, fine. You fucks. What would the name of that podcast be? The Mr. Robot podcast. <laughs> I don't know what else. What You're else? a classic riffmeister, Judd Ross. <laughs> Look at these sweaters. Actual uh, sweaters of the time, or are these guys just being painted as douchebags? Well, they aren't. They're douchebags. I mean, this is I, very on the nose. I think this is how douchebags dressed in 87. It did they, and this is 1990, or were they just going off other movies of the 80s? Is this 90? Yeah. Well, this is how douchebags dressed back then. They, they, it was a lot of sleeveless V-necks. It was a lot of tennis rackets. All right. <laughs> douchebags in school used to play tennis. That All was right. what the bullies well, used to I'm do. I'm sure they still do. Now, bullies now are real bullies. They'll beat the shit out of you. The douchebags at my school, high school, all played golf. You now, know. For the for your like more fratty type douchebag guy, and then the football players were all just wild uh, degenerates, like <laughs> like horrifying people to be around. Yeah, they, I spit mean, spit sunflower seeds into your face, you know. That yeah, kind of certainly stuff. the frightening uh, people at my schools that I attended were not tennis players, right? You know, but right. fuck these guys are. This is how it goes at an Ivy League. Sure, that's how it is. Buscemi, uh, by the way, this was my introduction to him as a kid. I had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing, when I first saw Reservoir Dogs about mm-hmm. three years after this, mm-hmm. being like, oh, my God, that's that's the guy from Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. Uh, it was so weird for me to see him in another role because I only knew him from this. Pretty much always been one of my favorite actors, really. Now, has he had, a te- a, like, has he had his teeth done? Because his teeth look particularly big and crooked in this, and I don't. Remember them looking like that recently. Oh, no. I, if anything, they look worse. If you could say, if you can look at a picture of Buscemi from today and say that you think he's had his teeth done, I'd laugh you out of the goddamn room. What are they? So they still, he's still got those same teeth. Yeah, like open a tin can, you know, like <laughs> not think anything of it kind of teeth. Oh, hey. God bless him. Yeah. Those teeth bought him a career. Like chopping. You remember those old, like, cylinders of high C? Like with the one big triangle on one side and one small yeah. triangle on the other. Like you just sort of chomp in and then down it in one <laughs> disgusting gulp. This would be this would be my response if I would I'm Steve Buscemi, criticize my teeth. Yeah. Okay. Hey yeah, big old teeth, Buscemi. These teeth bought me a Ferrari. <laughs> That's what I would say I, to people. I he definitely drives a Ferrari. He seems like that guy for sure. <laughs> Favorite Buscemi? I'm going to go with a fairly obvious choice and say Fargo. I don't know how no you could way. That's possibly insane. do better than that. You're nuts. All right. What do you, you got, put Joe? Fargo Some over Reservoir Dogs? You put Fargo over Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I put Fargo above Reservoir Dogs insane. by about 5,000%. It's insane. One of my least favorite Coen Brothers movies, oh, by the way. Oh, God. How do you live with yourself? How there's no, there's no one at home being like, yeah, he's right. Fargo sucked. There's no one at home doing that right now. Well, it's, no one. 
I didn't say Fargo sucked. I just said it's. I like Reservoir Dogs better, and it's not one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. All right. Uh, it's a good movie. Were you a lady killer's man? <laughs> Intolerable <laughs> Cruelty, number one. Mm-hmm. Lady Killers Later. has some laughs, and so does Intolerable Cruelty. I'm joking. My number one, obviously, is Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would follow it with uh, possibly uh, maybe a Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing is great. Raising Arizona might be my favorite, but I love Buscemi and Fargo, which was the question because I said performance. Now, Mr. Pink, I don't, I don't even understand what the hell you're saying. It's f- it's fine. You're not you're not a very tolerant man, Joe. I'm very tolerant, which is a line. Look, also, I'm from sorry, Plans I don't have the patience of a guy that watches the same movie back to back in one night. I mean, I don't know what kind of psychopath you are. Well, you I, watch this I'm thing. not watching it at all right now. I'm talking, and I had never seen it, so I would have been like, "What's going on? What's going? Why did they just do a, a terrible '80s wife?" But the fact that you're able to just sit in a, in a in front of it twice in a row is nuts to me. You're no. you're a cinephile. Well, I'm talking to you. You're a cinephile. I mean, uh, it's not an insult. If I if it had been a movie I'd seen a hundred times, I wouldn't have to do it. But it's not an insult. I just said it's nuts to me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this refrigerator. They're supposed to be really wealthy, and they got that '50s Donna Reed fridge in the in the kitchen. Maybe it's a classic. What happened to this guy? I like this guy that plays Julianne Moore's boyfriend, who's like, who's like the the definition of a white guy. I feel like he might still... He looks like a character actor who's in movies now, but it's not him, for sure. Yeah. He's probably, by this point, either strolled into the porn waters <laughs> or, you know, he runs a tire shop in the valley or something like He's that. He's got a good porn look. I like it. Yeah. I think even now, 25 years later, he'd be one of those kind of 55ers hanging in there. Yeah. Coming by, you know, playing the neighbor who's visiting the babysitter or whatever it is. I don't know. Oh, I don't watch my pornography. sweet boy. You think they still have storylines in porn? They still do, and everything I watch, I'm what usually fast-forwarding it. But the hell are you seeing that has a storyline in it? Uh, Outside maybe of, like, it, Bang Brothers, where they p- put a girl on, like, a bus or something, you know? Maybe I kind of seek them out, but I tend to go for something a little longer. I like to treat myself like a lady, and sure. those always have story in them. I never like a, a, a clip that, like, opens on a gaping butthole or something. I don't need that in my life. So I, like a li- watch, I like to be romanced a little bit. You'll still watch a thing where it's like, you know, let's turn this into a porno. The guy goes, I inherited a mummy. And then he opens the coffin and he's like, oh, I, meant a, I mean a mommy. And, yeah. a hot, and a milf gets out. Like you, you would This go is a real milf. A mummy I'd like to fuck. <laughs> Should yeah. we write this? You would, you, would, you would watch that kind of porn. Uh, oh, no. I'm not talking about if the story is just ludicrous. I just mean if it's a simple... Uh, hey, you know, I, uh, your dad's out. Uh, I'm your new stepmom. You're home visiting uh, for well the weekend. Yeah, that, that, that's give me every. That's give a me a little clips. back and forth. Is all that's I'm a saying. lot of the clips. You know what? I'm going to say something kind of profound. I like a little back and forth before the in and out, <laughs> and that goes for life and in the erotic cinema. All right, I, that's that's I, I get the stories you're talking about now. All right, good. I thought you were saying like old school, like a ho- everybody works at a hospital and <laughs> no, you know, no, I, I'm not doing that. But I miss that. You know, nurse, time to make the incision. Right. You're, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then he sticks his uh, penis in her vagina. Right. You get it? I got it. Looks uh, like you need a shot. 
Nurse, you head off down the hall. I think Mr. Herman needed a sponge bath. I like my incision bit a little bit better. Well, I wouldn't know. I was fucking competing with you, Jeff. You weren't, but I didn't just, I didn't lift mine from Seinfeld. That's all. Oh. And you're going to lift the Seinfeld bit from the famous episode of Seinfeld. Oh. I don't know how you live with yourself. Do you do this at work? Well, I didn't know Seinfeld was a hardcore porno film. Well, it's not. I'm saying you know how they get I know. They side nurses and doctors off down the hall on their own stories, sort yeah, of like yeah, a, but a Pulp Fiction, which also featured Steve Buscemi. Which was an anthology film. That, well, sure, yes. It is. Uh, three y- stories. Y- yes. Anything with three stories, I wouldn't say is an anthology I like Buscemi in Pulp Fiction more than I like him in Fargo. I, I don't, I don't know kidding. what to say. I'm joking. Did Look you also love William H. Macy in Fargo? I loved him in it. Yeah, he was incredible. He was great in it. And so, and was, so was McDormand. And she's wonderful in it. And so is that uh, Austrian guy whose name I can never remember that played Peter the Peter Stormare. Also in Seinfeld, we're bringing it back. He played the guy who got the Frogger thing across the street. His name was Slippery Pete. Folks. Peter Stormare, a, a, a bit of a, a, of a resemblance to our, to our leading jock man in this short story. I wouldn't argue that. You know? What's your opinion of Julianne Moore as an actress? She's wonderful. I thought she was, and then I hit a point where I never wanted to see her again. And Why I've been there for five, ten years. I think she's fantastic in almost everything she does. I mean, she's unbeatable in Boogie Nights. That 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 Boogie Nights was twenty years ago. That so you're you're well, talking right into I'll, what I'm saying. I'll name a recent one. That David Cronenberg movie she was in about Hollywood. Maps to the Stars. One of the most upsetting films I've ever seen in my life. Uh, she's, yeah. she's fantastic in that. She was. I just, y- you really see her acting these days. She was terrible on 30 Rock. She did a Boston accent that just really, you know, sent me into my room for a couple days. <laughs> I couldn't quite deal with it. And then, you know, she's just a little hammy. Even in that Still Alice, I didn't like her. I didn't see that. She was great in Don John. Yeah, I did like Don John. I actually like Don John a lot. I must it's say. a great movie. Still Alice is the amnesia movie. Um, or not amnesia, Jesus Christ, Alzheimer's. The, the Does subject she have I w- Alzheimer's in it? Yeah. It's the subject I want to see the least. I, have, I, I really hate anything to discuss with Alzheimer's. Yeah, it's a terrifying premise. The whole movie, I, I think I talked about this on Pete's podcast, was uh, Alec Baldwin going, But Alice, your, your glasses are on your forehead, Alice. <laughs> Alice... Uh, the car's parked right down here, Alice. Alec Baldwin talks in that English accent? Yeah, you know how when Alec Baldwin's in like a drama where he's not supposed to be like a tough? Yeah. He defaults to like almost like a 1930s sure. accent. Now, it, so the story of Still Alice is she's a young, younger woman that gets early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah, she gets, it's so depressing. And then, you know, Baldwin kind of, I don't know. He just keeps he, he tries to hang in, and then he winds up leaving her. Spoiler alert! Because the movie wasn't depressing enough. Jesus Christ! I uh, used to work with people that had Alzheimer's, and there was a woman who was in her late fifties that had. I mean, she was she was gone. She was off the map, mm-hmm. and it was very sad to see somebody that young. I mean, it was sad to see anybody with it, but somebody that young with it. It's my biggest fear. It's my biggest fear. My and now we're really terrible. into a horror podcast. Pat. Yeah. What are your What are your fears now? That's yeah. why a horror movie about Alzheimer's, I, I might not see that. I don't like anything to do with Alzheimer's. We've established that. Let's, let's, let's lighten I it up. I donate money to them. Let's lighten it up. You I'm should, just too. just picturing people sitting in their cubicles right now wanting to slit <laughs> their throats. All right. Well, let's talk about Christian Slater in a blue tank top. I, or turtleneck. Did you wear turtlenecks? 
Now, my posture was always too bad for a turtleneck. I look weird in one. I No one looks cool in them, except maybe like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne looks fantastic in one. But I always wore turtlenecks under a sweater. It was kind of my signature look. Oh, God. I looked real, real nerdy for many you years. You look like one of these jocks at the Ivy League school. But in a nerd you carry a body. tennis racket around with you? Imagine the, the jock wardrobe, but with a real dorky face and body. If I may say so, uh, Pat and I had uh, poured ourselves a drink before this podcast. I'm about halfway down my whiskey. Uh, I'm so tired <laughs> from working all week that I'm, I feel completely drunk right now already. All right. Well, keep it together. It's together. I just feel, I mean, I could, I could go to sleep in your arms at this <laughs> moment and not feel strange about that at all. I would feel very strange about it. I don't blame you. I'm just trying to tell you where I'm at right now. I think our listeners might enjoy a, a solo pod from me. <laughs> or it might be like when uh, Wayne left and Garth had to take over Wayne's world. No, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as the as like when Joe Perry did the solo album with Ar- from Aerosmith. Sure. I look at it as a positive. All right. The fans are going to like it. They're going to support it. What was it? What was Joe Perry's solo? I can't hit? remember. It was the first thing I could access in my head. Oh, one of my uh, one of my friends out here is his son. He's uh, a delightful guy. He's at my house for the party. I am friends with I am friends with his stepson. My friend Aaron is his stepson. My buddy Anthony. I'll just shout him out, Anthony Perry Jr. It was Anthony and one of the kids in the band, the Three Brothers Band. Yes. Uh, I, I, have the band yeah me and burr used to hang out with those guys nice guys i missed him at your party unless he was there and we just didn't recognize each other he was there he was there wow, i love those guys yeah they're great they're great guys look at us name dropping again folks if it's your first <laughs> listen themes that reoccur on this podcast pedophilia and <laughs> name dropping yeah both despicable who knows which is worse but we're not dropping like fucking huge names we're saying i my buddy is the son of joe perry you were going on and on about about a, that's a great shot, by the way, when the camera goes past the mummy. Un- it's a great shot, but un- you think that mummy hanger. might be a guy with uh, a mummy helmet on? Like, could there be? Any? I guess mummies. No, Pat, are it's a real, it's a real mummy that they brought to life. <laughs> I, just kind of mummies to me, it's always like mummies. I'm, like even in the mummy, I was just kind of like, just push him over. It's a mummy. They're not scary. We did a we did a monologue. Uh, when Pete Holmes still had his talk show, and it was about the what monster is the scariest monster. Uh huh. And I wrote a lot of the monologue, and uh, I remember the section on zombies and mummies. I said zombies aren't scary uh, because they just they just wander around slowly. Right. They all look like your grandfather got loose from his bed at the home. Sure. You know, you just want to see if he needs <laughs> if he needs somebody to. If he knows where he is and if he needs somebody to escort him back to his room. Right. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about mummies. Yeah. Did you not think that joke was funny? No, I'm with you. What did you why didn't you laugh at all at that joke? It's a funny joke. It's like your grandfather got loose from his bed at the home. That's yeah, a funny I bit. mean, we just get off Alzheimer's and now we're talking about a, a grandpa not knowing where he is. All right, well. You know, these people got to get through this. Brains in the fruit bowl. Mummy pulled out the jock guy's brains. And put the, brains the brains in, in the, the fruit bowl, bowl and the silver spoon. Mummy in the light of the moon. Julianne Moore is hamming it up. 
No, she she seems kind of natural here, and she did to me up until like Magnolia. She's way 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 over the top, but she's playing like a real coked out, drugged out lady. I've never seen her be hammy. You said you thought we it's saw a newer b- development for her. We saw Black Mass the other day, and uh, and I thought Peter Sarsgaard was was phenomenal in it and you said you thought he was a little hammy and i didn't i thought he played it like a guy that was on a lot of coke i liked him i wanted more of him in the movie but he just was in kind of a different thing and it gave the movie some energy which i felt it really needed because i thought black maps was surprisingly very slow i gotta tell you i rewatched the documentary tonight about yeah. whitey bulger and it reframed the movie for me and it made me appreciate the movie more Okay, and I also think that Bulger wasn't an informant, and I actually believe his story over the FBI story that he was. I mean, everybody was lying, so it's really anybody's guess. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I just for some reason I believed his story a little bit more. Okay, uh, you got Julianne Moore sitting in front of a bloody fridge. Her boyfriend's been murdered. Christian uh, Slater looking like a young John Travolta, always they, doing a uh, a Nicholson impression in these early days, especially. They couldn't cliche this up more. They're now at the funeral of the dead boyfriend, and Christian Slater and his rich sister are drinking brandy out of <laughs> snifters. Sure. Would it have killed you to throw me a snifter tonight, by the way? <laughs> I don't even own a Look snifter. Look at that chair. It's a terrible chair. I'm trash. I don't own a snifter. <laughs> Who does this? It's like an episode of Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We had the guy on our show this week, Gil. Remember Gil from Frasier? Well, you just watched the entire series for some reason. So uh, I you remember Frasier. Gil. Who the hell plays – who the hell is Gil? He's like the chef. I'll, I'll do my impression of you, and you'll know who he is. So oh, I go, Gil, yeah, the, the food radio guy. Yeah, I go, yeah. where do I know you from, man? Like, I, you know, he's 70 years old now or something. I go, where do I know you from? And he goes, well, I did all 11 seasons of Frasier. He talks That's like that how for he real? Talks. Yeah. Really? He was also, well, no, oh, I don't want to say anything. He was a little, I, and he kind of stayed in character. Like he came out last night and he was like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> My friend goes, oh, it's right over here. And he goes, I know. And we were like, what was that? I don't get it. What's the, what's it wasn't a joke. I think he was just kind of like, don't tell me where I'm going. But why did he ask then? Joe, that's the point of the story. <laughs> we were all kind of like, "What's this guy's deal?" I don't. Well, but what was his character? Was it a man that would ask questions? He and was a, yell at you? a snooty butler, you know, a very annoying butler. Uh, he's seventy. Oh, at least, yeah. Really? Yeah. He's very funny on Frasier. He was great. Uh, yeah, he's got a very distinctive voice. I love the I love the show so much. I am rewatching many episodes of it. Well, outside of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Golden Girls, The Honeymooners, Mr. Belvedere, Frasier. Those are my five where it's like Mrs. Belvedere. I'll rewatch them. I don't care. I'll rewatch them. I love it. Belvedere vodka. All right. We, we I all heard the Belvedere. I haven't seen Frasier in uh, at least 15 years, but I used to like it. I would go as far as to say there are moments that are hysterical. Oh wow! Okay, it's one of the most. Laugh- well, they, a, they got a good farce thing going when they would it's great. hit it. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of the most laugh out loud sitcoms to me. Outside, uh, uh, those five to me are la- are like to me gutturally laugh out loud sitcoms, for the most part. More if you were texting with Frazier, you would text LOL. I would text LOL. All right. I'd also text STFU. Shut the fuck up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because he'd probably say a thing like, do you want to meet for a brandy? And I'd say, shut the fuck up. But not telling right. him, like, shut the fuck up, like, I hate you. Saying it like, 
Oh, Frazier, shut the fuck up. I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bet Frazier would have a lot to say about emojis. What do you think you'd say? Well, now I want to talk like Gil. I got that in my head. I don't. I can't really do my... my Kelsey Grammer on Twitter corrects people's grammar, which I love. Uh, when somebody corrects my grammar, I say, thanks a lot, Kelsey Grammer. And nobody laughs ever. Uh, on the... Just like how when I order a drink at a bar, I go, uh, I think I'm going to have a little ditty about Jack and Diet. Never oh. gotten a laugh at any bar ever. <laughs> I do it at least once a year because I'm like, somebody will laugh. Even if I got a bartender, I'm like, this guy's got a good sense of humor. I'll do it. They always get it. It's not like they don't get it. They just never laugh, and it hurts. You want to hear my bar bit that nobody ever laughed at? Sure. As you try to do a guy that didn't know how to order drinks properly. Okay. And I'd go, uh, give me a white Russian. Uh, no lime, please. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It's very uh, dad material. Do me, a, do me a favor. Bloody Mary, easy on the whiskey, yeah. and just a pinch of the Kahlua. Yeah. Like, I would just d- drink order wrong. Nobody ever thought it was funny, ever. Yeah, I'm, bi- I'm big on, like, at a party when you first get there. <laughs> These are all very dad uh, material. I love dad bits. Sure, me too. Any party, like when you first get there and they're like, do you want a drink? What can I get you? I'm like, I'm going to do a white wine and Red Bull, please. And you always try to get just a funny a funny blend. Right. But you'll never beat Tanqueray and Tonic from Kingpin. Tanqueray and, no, it's not. I'm sorry. Tanqueray, Tanqueray and, and Tab, tab Sweets. Tanqueray and, and Tonic coming, is a real drink. I got a long drive ahead of me. I well, messed we, it up. We've talked about it previously on the on the podcast. Kingpin has the two funniest drink orders of all time. Tangerine and Tab, as you just said. And then later, when the dickhead boyfriend bowler guy is sitting at the bar, he goes, hey, sport, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. What an asshole. That guy is only in Fairly Brothers movies, and I think he was like an Entertainment Tonight correspondent (laughs) who is not a great actor. And throughout, Kingpin is wearing eyeliner. Yes. Which I find very, very bizarre. And in a movie where everyone is insulting everyone's appearance <laughs> the entire time, no one says a word to him about wearing eyeliner. But I will tell you, the, his delivery of Hey Sport, Coca-Cola, yeah. oh, no. like, this guy This guy should have won an Oscar. He was a very effective yush. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Now, the, uh, we're at the point in the movie now, if you're watching along with us, Christian Slater is about to, he was, he's putting lighter fluid all over uh, Steve Buscemi, because he knows Steve Buscemi is somehow gotten this mummy to kill his uh, sister and his uh, best friend. And now he's going to try to have the mummy kill. Well, not. He's going to just burn Steve Buscemi alive, excuse me. Now, Slater in this scene, even if you're not watching, I'd suggest you go watch it afterwards because Slater is really Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicholson-ing up the entire scene. His most Nicholson-y was probably Heather's. Or maybe cuffs, but he he was just doing straight impressions for like a ten year period. I find his pump up the volume to be incredibly. Oh, super! Yeah, this is all in that same two or three year period. All the great themes have been turned into theme parks. Yeah, I used to love that line. It makes no sense. No, it's un- completely untrue. It's a very eighties eighties line where you're like, that's deep, man, but it's not. Yeah, uh, well, he used to say that Nicholson was his idol. Well, sure, and but. Here's the thing. He naturally sounds like Nicholson. Yeah. And ha- almost, I mean, a little bit has a look of a young Jagger. Yeah. So, you know, it's not all, you know, it's kind of like how, uh, it's kind of like how Action Bronson sounds like Ghostface Killer. Yeah, exactly. Who in a video said that Action Bronson should be killed. I saw that. I didn't really approve of Ghostface's response. I didn't either. Over I, the top. I understood why and Ghostface like was a little Bronson. upset, but I didn't think he should all. 
call for a man's death over it. No, I mean, stealing somebody's flow, that's been going on for centuries. Patty, I mean, you know, sometimes I think people in this town are stealing my flow. They're not, Chuck. <laughs> They're not. This, I thought, was this supposed to be a little blowjob bit? Because it sure felt that way to me. No. Like, the director wasn't like, hey, we've kind of framed this so it looks like that guy's really blowing Steve Buscemi. I never once in my entire life ever thought that, and I've seen this movie a hundred well, times. You're a pig with a filthy mind. That's where I went. You're Sorry. a disgusting pig. I just want to see Steve Buscemi get blown well, by Maybe mouth. they let that pig talk fly at CBS <laughs> on your foul mouth sitcom you work on, <laughs> but not on this podcast. Did you like uh, The Mummies? And the Scorpion Kings and all that garbage. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I'm sort of tipping my hand on how I feel about them. But. They're, they're okay. I mean, I, the, the first one's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's that's more of an Indiana Jones type of thing than a, than yeah. a horror movie. Man, yeah, I really hate okay. I went on a date with this girl once. I would say six minutes. Sorry to brag. Six minutes into the uh, meal, she goes, um, like, so like you like movies. So like what's like a movie you can just watch like whenever it's on? You just have to finish it. And I probably said Fargo, you know, or something like that. And she was like, for me, it's The Mummy. I will always watch The Mummy when it's on. And That's I was like, not that bad. Okay, but I, I was like losing interest rapidly, but I'm going to hang in here. And then this girl talked about that mummy a lot. It went on and on. And she thinks Brendan Fraser is so cute. I think this is very endearing. But it wasn't funny. It was just like the girl seemed to have a real Jones for the mummy. I think it's I think it's endearing. I don't I don't think it's endearing because it sounds funny. I think it's endearing. A girl really loves the movie The Mummy. All right. It didn't didn't work for me. Somebody being passionate about the mummy. I, I don't have time in my life for that. I'm not being passionate about it. She was. And you're a heartless bastard. Yeah, exactly. That couldn't uh, understand. She's not into your indie house drama <laughs> bullshit. I like a wide variety of movies. But speaking of uh, indie house drama bullshit, I did just like, I saw uh, Goodnight Mommy. Dying to see it. I might go tomorrow night. It to is see it. so scary. You should see it because it's going to leave the Los Feliz up here. Again, tipping my hand as to where me and Joe live. <laughs> but uh, it was really scary and really tense, and I loved it. Goodnight Mommy. It's a German horror movie. Basically, only three characters. Some other people pop in, but. It's two uh, twins. They're like 10 years old. Their mom comes back with her face all wrapped up in gauze, much like a mummy, keeping it on story. Was she in an accident, or is it plastic surgery? Uh, well, I'm not going to answer any of those questions, but okay. she comes back, and the kids start to suspect that it's not their mom, basically. And right. it was v that's the premise, and it's very, very scary. You should see it. It's great. Okay. Very good. Now, isn't this cab driver in this scene somebody famous? Is that Joe Pantaleone? It wasn't, right? No, but I now that you mention it, I think he might have. Was it? I don't. It know. just looked like a way buffer dude. I think I feel like that cab driver is somebody that I should recognize. By the way, that was another trope in '80s movies. Like the cab drivers were always like these S and M <laughs> leather. There's chains mm -hmm. all through the cab. They do that in uh, tri planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, they sh well, the guy's got porn all over his car. Yeah. Speaking of cab drivers, the next story uh, that's going to be on in a few moments, Cab from Hell, stars Buster Poindexter. Played a cab driver in Scrooge. Yep. You know it. You uh, know it. Yeah, with William Hickey. So he William was in, uh, in Scrooge? No, he's in Crucifixion. As, uh, you know, well, Uncle Lewis. Yeah, but what, 
Wait, wait a minute. Oh, you're just saying they're both William Hickey's ha- in the next yeah, story. Yeah, about one year prior, they were both in uh, some great classic Christmas, Christmas movies. movies. And now they're in this together with a cat. Scrooged could be my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that. I love Scrooged. I have my favorite Christmas movie. I would say It's a Wonderful Life. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Home Alone. Oh, for Christ's sake. I love Home Alone. But Look, I saw I it when like I was Home 10. Alone too, but I mean, for God's sakes, it's your favorite? Yeah, it's a favorite Christmas movie of mine. Christmas like Vacation is a favorite Christmas movie. I love Christmas Vacation. Gremlins is a favorite Christmas movie. I love Gremlins. Right. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what my second to Just Scrooge the, the disgust in your voice when we slightly disagree on something. Well, look, and the Cat from Hell Stories opens with a cab. Yeah. Uh, I will uh, tell you my second to place to Scrooge. I can't wait to hear it. Love Actually. Yeah, I love Love Actually. Makes me cry every time. I think, though, that it's... You know, it doesn't feel at all Christmassy except for a few little sections. Oh, I disagree wholeheartedly. I don't know. I think they covered the Christmas bases nicely in that film. I think that movie would be a nice uh, entertaining picture, but I think that the Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson story takes it over the edge into something better. It's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful film. The Cheers. Hugh, the Hugh Grant story, it's it's touching. My favorite story, though, is, is uh, Bill... Uh, Bill Nye, is that his name? Definitely not. Bill Nye, the science guy. Who's the guy that plays the rock star in it that was in Shaun of the Dead? Oh, well, Bill yeah, Nighy. his name is Bill Nye. Yeah, Nighy. very close. I yeah, see he, to uh, my, that's my favorite story, him and his manager. It's, 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 it kills me at the end when he tells his manager, like, you're my best friend, I love you. Yeah, it's a pretty great movie. Anytime, really, anytime in a movie someone is telling someone something they have wanted to say for decades, that'll always put a little lump in my throat. I'm a sucker for it. I'm a sucker for it. Now, William Hickey, yeah, the star uh, of this. Bill Hickey. Bill Hickey. Uh, well, sometimes he went by William. He always went by William, but I called him Bill. Uh, my friend used to do that. Like He'd, he'd like refer to stars. Like Bobby De Niro. Movie stars like with familiarity. Jimmy Conn. Yeah, he'd be, like, he'd be like, that's the great thing about Mathow. <laughs> and I always wanted to be like, you're a... You, you you're you're a, you're a social you're a social studies major at a state school. But you don't know Mathau. Yeah. Call him Walter Mathau, you know? A lot of things. It depends on the person, but there's so many things people will do when talking about action and stuff that bother me so much. But really so, like you know, if you were to say to me, "Oh, you know, uh Pacino was so great in that movie." That wouldn't bug me. But William Hickey, I remember this when I I studied I was a theater minor in college, and when uh, William Hickey died, they had his obituary up on, like, the bulletin board in the theater department. So he must have gone there, right? No. It was just like they would post when famous actors oh. or whatever passed. I think, though. I don't think he went there. But anyway, um, he was like, when he died, he was only, like, in his 60s. He had, like, some really? kind of... Yeah, he had some kind of physical... Looks like a goddamn ghoul. I thought he was... <laughs> he was so funny in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, he's great. I thought he was, like, 95 years old. He was he was, he was was actually young. He had, like... You know, he had some kind of disorder or something, and he yeah. just... He looked... He, he was sickly, you know, I guess. I like when his wife, who was the voice of Betty Boop, by the way. That's who the plays his wife? I never knew May that. Castell, yeah, the original Betty Boop from the 30s. And she goes, oh, dear, did I break wind? And he goes, Jesus, did the room clear out, Bethany? Hell no. She means presents. (laughs) Then later on, she goes, I hear something. 
a weird squeaky sound. And he goes, you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Yeah, yeah. He just makes kind of a lame old wisecrack seem new. Because I like his when voice he goes, is so I like disgusting. When he goes, Grace, the blessing. <laughs> yeah, points to his mouth. To his teeth. Yeah. That's the mark of a good actor. Anybody can point to their mouth. He points to his teeth. Isn't that the guy that plays like... Breaking Bad. But doesn't he also play... Isn't he in The Usual Suspects? No, I'm thinking of the other guy. Uh, Kobayashi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that guy had a huge role in Breaking Bad. He was the guy who winds up with the uh, yeah. bomb you know, thing on his wheelchair. Yes. I like that guy. And yeah. I also like the Kobayashi guy. He passed away recently. Yes. People always die, unfortunately. Eventually, we all die. Sometimes so the, at the hands of an evil cat. <laughs> most of the time story. at the hands of an evil cat. So this one uh, was written by George A. Romero. No, this based is on a Stephen King. Oh yes, I'm sorry, based on a Stephen King story. Yep. And the first and third were written by Malcolm McDowell, who I always mistook with Michael McDowell from A Clockwork Orange. No, Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell is from A Clockwork Orange. And this is Michael McDowell. You're right. Yes. I, I actually was in the process of confusing it while I talked about how I confused. Yeah, not to be confused with Roddy McDowell. No, or Andy McDowell. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to tell you my the joke about Andy McDowell. What? You ready for this? How many people have a joke about Andy McDowell? This is what keeps me big in the stand-up circuit. Go ahead. What do Andy McDowell and my Uncle Gary have in common? What? They both ruined four weddings and a funeral. Oh, God. Fuck you. That's a good joke. Want to hear a one-liner I wrote for work the other day? Yeah, well, oh, I'm not going to laugh at it now after I get an oh, God from you. This is a good one-liner. I had to write a one-liner for like a borscht belt kind of thing. Okay. And I said, uh, either my cook is becoming one hell of a nag or my wife is becoming one hell of a cook. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, maybe I had to be a part of the scene. I don't. I know. think that's a good one-liner. <laughs> okay, it's a it's like a Milton Burley kind of thing. Look, I'm still a little wounded from the treatment of my Andy McDowell joke. It wasn't a well-crafted joke. I'm sorry. Well, of course it was. It and was a huge hit on Twitter. And if you're gonna spike, and that's me, all that really matters. Wow! Congratulations, thirteen and you know a half who loved year olds it? think you're funny. Our friend, genius comedian Karen Kilgariff. She loved it, Joe. I bet I could get a different take out of it on her. Well, go ahead and try. I'll call her tomorrow and I'll ask her, what'd you really think of that four weddings and a funeral tweet? And then she, like, she'll be taking the phone away from her head laughing. Michael McDowell yes. also wrote Beetlejuice. A masterpiece, as uh, far as I'm concerned. It is, with somebody named Warren Scarron, so which I, I would have to assume was some sort of pen name. But... I think the reason I was watching this is because I was trying to seek out other movies the writer of Beetlejuice had done. But this doesn't really have that feel to it. Um, Beetlejuice, like, and the guy hadn't done a, a lot of other stuff, especially nothing in that tone. Beetlejuice is a real special thing. I think Burton must have had a lot to do with it, too. I love Beetlejuice. I'm excited that they're doing a sequel. Yeah, it just... What, Pat? What? I'm going to keep matter? my hopes at a 60%, because why would I not? Burton's directing it. Keaton's in it. Winona Ryder's in it. What's not to like? Well, they keep going back and forth on it. They got the guy who wrote fucking Dark Shadows to write it, which was a 
terrible movie. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, you must have thought it was going to be real damn bad, John. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, hold on, though. I want to look up Beetlejuice and see. Now, why do you think the original writer isn't writing it? Because he's dead. He died at age 49. From what? I don't know. I just looked it up, and he was dead at 49. I'm on the old iPad here, and, of course, it's an iPad mini from however many years ago. It's the first iPad mini. And as soon as iOS 9 came out, the thing doesn't work properly anymore. Of course. Unbelievable. All right, I'm looking up Beetlejuice on Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia. Glenn Shaddock's also dead, who played yeah. uh, Otho. Otho. One of my favorite characters in the whole film. I've probably, I would say I've seen Beetlejuice maybe more than any other movie, other than maybe Home Alone or Roger Rabbit. They, were, they hit me in that 10-year-old, I'll watch something a million times, wheelhouse. Warren Scarron died at 44 44 sorry not a screen name that's his real name Warren Scarron no no I was t- okay well Warren Scarron is dead but He's so dead is 44 so is Michael McDowell at age 49 well that must movie was cursed uh Warren Scarron uh what's it say here first success was getting the film The Getaway shot in Texas oh I like the getaway. uh driving force behind the distribution of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's great notable writing works include Beverly Hills Cop 2 very funny Mm-hmm. Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, in the Burton camp. He also, w- he had also written unproduced sequels to The Jewel of the Nile. Now, did he write the Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian sequel that was bandied about, or did that never actually go to script? Well, how about this? He wrote a he wrote a Beetlejuice sequel that was never made called Beetlejuice in Love. Did you know that? No, but Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian, I think, was offered to Kevin Smith. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian? Yeah. Who that was a that? project that was like shopped around for a while, about 10 years ago. And what the longer. hell was it about? Beetlejuice in Hawaii. This is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. <sighs> yeah, of course. I have no... I mean, Burton can't make a C movie these days, for my money. I heard Big Eyes was good. It was fine. It was fine. Look... You know, I hate to say it. I'm a fan of Burton's earlier work, but for the most part, Burton's stuff was a lot of was a lot of look and, and not a lot of substance. Oh, I completely disagree, as always with you, Joe. Uh, McDowell died of AIDS. Michael oh, I, McDowell. I thought Andy Mc, he died of AIDS. Jesus Christ! So That's he was terrible. diagnosed with AIDS in uh, 1994. Well, AIDS, Alzheimer's, we're hitting all the fun topics tonight, folks. It's a real pick-me-up of an episode tonight. Uh, whew. Yeah, uh, it's getting a little dark. No, but I mean, I, look, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say this right now, and I don't care who I piss off. I, you know, I never thought Edward Scissorhands was that great of oh, a movie. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. You know, I loved Edward Scissorhands. I love Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I, I love, love Batman. I love Batman Returns. I know you hate Batman, Batman Returns, Returns. Is not a good film. I think it's an A plus. Oh, stop it! That's um, idiotic. All those early Burtons, I think, are just fucking classics. But then again, Batman Returns is an A plus for me. Yeah, get get out of here. I don't believe you believe that, but I do, and I'm saying it. And, and why would I not? So you, you, you don't have a problem with penguins with missiles on their backs. That's just fine? No. Again, this is a movie I saw when I was 12, but when I watch it now, I still love it just as much. I saw it when I was 13, and I knew it sucked then. I was like, this sucks. I saw it in the theater. Well, I no, you would have seen it when you were 17, because you're older than me. I was not 17, so you didn't see it when you were 12. It came out in 92. 
I was born in 81, and I saw it in the theater. Mm, let's look that up. I'm going to look that up. I'm, I, I know that is true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. Hold on a second. I was, so I was 11, okay, and you would have been I'll tell you in 16, a second. 17. I, I That's a very not... different age. But I, I don't know why you wouldn't love it, because Batman Returns was so fucking dark. Like, way ahead of its time. It, well, first of all, it wasn't dark. Oh. It was it was it was weirdly dark in certain places. It was like psychosexual and weird and it, awesome. It was weirdly dark in certain places and then it was oddly stupidly comedic in other places. It's dumb that people go to the penguin speech and start throwing tomatoes at him where where the where the gag is the penguin actually says what kind of people bring fruit and vegetables to a press conference. It's like it's stupid. No. The gadgets are dumb. Like they're they're too ridiculous the way they work. It's not believable. There's the thing where Batman pulls a chunk of concrete out of a wall, and it like. See, so you always get hung up on this shit. It's Batman. It's stupid. So like, he put, your magazine is pulling a hunk of concrete out of a Shrek, wall. Max Shrek, not even a character from the comics. Like, why are they adding? Don't add a character. Well, see, I never give a fuck about that shit. Batman like, Returns to me is so much better than any comic book movie made in the last twenty years that everybody thinks is so genius. Uh, th- I think it's great. It's in it's tone of what it should Nolan, be. It's uh, fun. It's better than it's the funny. Dark Knight. Uh, d- d- you can't say better that. than the d- certainly better than Batman Begins. Both of Burton's Batman's are better than Batman Begins. Oh God, you, you're just and you're the just Dark Knight. Uh, it's an odd comparison, but I'd say they're they're about. On a par, the Dark Knight is probably a, a little better. Oh my god! But uh, depending on the day, I might like Batman Returns better than Batman One. Pat, you're out of your. What are you talking about? Sorry, and I know I'm not alone here either. They made. They took so many liberties with it. The way Catwoman becomes Catwoman, it's like ridiculous. The liberty shit will never bother me. Well, look. That, I guess it's the th- rest this of the world. This fault. is what the difference is with for being, being logical with nerds who are super into. Comic this books, isn't super into. Which, at this point, is the world. Everyone is into comic books. I never have cared about them at all. So when we go into a a movie like this, you guys are all going in like, eh, well, what's going to be different than my graphic novel? And I'm going in like a child but I ready to be entertained. I'm and I'm not entertained by these I wasn't movies. going into it like that. But I was smart enough to know, by the way, I was 14 when this film came out. Uh, I was smart enough to know that when this came out, Catwoman becoming Catwoman because cats chew on her fingers makes no fucking sense. Now, whether or not they're making up their own origin story is a different argument. Well, why the cats would all ca- bite her, and she's you know like what why happens would that in the turn book? Her, is there like radioactive? Just, no, shit? she's just like a cat. She's a cat burglar. She's like an antihero in the books, and she has no cat power. No, and even if she did, why would cats chewing on your fingers give you cat power? Well, they're like they. There's a bunch of cats like attacking it's so her. So stupid. So you can either go, okay, I'm in a ridiculous world, and like this scene looks amazing. That scene well, looks the amazing. The penguin, the penguin, one of the coolest, like sort of like John Gotti meets Donald Trump characters in comic books. Like this super billionaire, like p- pulling the strings, puppeteer kind of crime boss villain, and they turn him into this like mutant. Like, it's fucking all that dumb Tim Burton shit. Like, I want to find beauty in the obscure. I, I want to find beauty, prettiness in the I ugliness. I couldn't have dreamed of a better penguin. Oh, than God, Vita. it's terrible. Burgess Meredith, that's a penguin for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
It's ridiculous. It's just, and then they add this third villain, and it's too much. It's like it's like with, with Christopher Walken. Max like, Shrek. I mean, Max Shrek barely makes an appearance. Oh, it's so bad. You must like guy, it more. It's not so bad. That guy I, playing I can't his even son, put, put up with this. The guy playing his son that's literally like, Daddy, Daddy. It's stupid. It's a. It's not a good movie. Do you prefer Batman and Robin? No, those are dog shit. Okay, well, you're talking about Batman Returns as if it's dog shit I to will, make your point. I it's will, not dog shit. I will put, this is a, this is the height of Batman Returns to me. It's Christmas time, and I want to take a nap. That's Batman Returns to me. It's Christmas. Know. I'll put it on. I'll fall asleep to it because I don't care enough to keep watching it, but it's Christmassy enough that I find it comforting. That's it. The first Batman I'll watch. I'll watch the first Batman. I love them both. Dark Knight. I, I love them both. Not taking an after Dark Knight, I'll tell you and that I much. I think this world uh, allows for all these things. It's a S- democracy. I can't believe it. I'm looking it up now. It's got an 80%. What does? Batman uh, Returns? Batman Returns. People Rotten love Rotten. Batman Returns. People are stupid. Here's another thing. Let's have a whole new villain with the Penguin. Okay, cool. I'm into that. Let's make all the Penguins henchmen exact ripoffs of the Joker's henchmen. They're all clowns for some reason. It's stupid. It's it's not creative. It, it was like a paint-by-numbers movie. It's a bad movie. I think it's a visually spectacular movie that gets into some really weird stuff about how we all wear masks and relationships. It's very sexual. It's very exciting. The action sequences are great. I love the winter vibe. I love walking, though his part may be superfluous. I really love Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Nobody's ever done that better. She's for a, sure. She plays, and I don't think anybody's done the Penguin better. She plays a good pat, Catwoman, but the, the 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 writing of the Catwoman, the, her origin, and everything to me is stupid. Well, it's got, stupid. By the way, Selena. But Kyle, it's all stupid. Selena Kyle isn't a fucking raggedy, beaten down secretary. I love that too. Her like, transformation in that, I fucking loved it, and I'm I think a saying, lot of people do. Selena Kyle is like is like a is like a borderline like prostitute. But that's like like that lives so in like the just, slums. They made a different choice, that's which stupid. I think is a better choice. Seeing a prostitute then put on a leather out that's not a transformation. That's not an arc. Well, you're the one that likes all the weird sexual stuff. You probably would have liked a couple of hookers running around that film. <laughs> no. I, I, I don't have any opinion on how hookers would have factored and into I'm the Batman Returns universe. While you expel all your perverted fantasies through one of my childhood heroes. Batman? Yes. Okay. No room for your filthy thoughts in my Batman mythology. Well, I said I liked her being a dowdy secretary, and you said you wanted her to be a perved-out prostitute, and now you're lecturing me on morals. (laughs) (laughs) This looks terrible, by the way, this whole thing, with the purple fringe around the outside. Well, it's the cat's perspective looking at... Yeah, because all cats see things with a purple ring around the lens. <laughs> it's just a bizarre choice. Well, cats have green eyes. At least make it it's green. It's black or and white. It's black and white with the faintest. Or yellow. It's black and white with the like tiniest hint of purple around the edge. It's so, t- it's like the, I never even noticed the purple until you just said that. All right. All right, Joe. But, you know. Look, you've got a more astute eye. Are we going to make this trip to Denver? I don't know at this point. I just have never. Joe also, by the way, has screamed at me in a restaurant about Aliens being a terrible movie. No, I never. That is a lie. Oh, you call Alien Three? No, you, Joe. 
as God is my witness. You were upset about Aliens, and you were very, very upset about Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. I, well, I stand by that. And these are just kind of movies that are just generally considered classics. Aliens. But there's no, like, fun back and forth. You're always just, like, so angry. My argument with you about Aliens was, I said, some people make the argument that it turned the franchise from being a horror suspense sci-fi movie into an action movie. Into an action movie, and right. some people don't like that about it. That they was my a, only argument. They made an interesting choice, and I went with it. Uh, and if we were having a discussion about the big picture of James, Cam- James Cameron's work, I probably said if Aliens is the I don't best think we can survive that got. tonight after that Batman Returns discussion. Because <laughs> we saw Ford Fairlane, and the writer of Ford Fairlane and Batman Returns was in attendance, and we already had kind of an early version of this argument. Uh, now, did, And that guy said, that guy said, they said you wrote, the Adventures of Hudson Hawk, Batman Returns, and they named one other one of his movies. And he said, yeah, that was my failing down period. He said that. That was my failing down. I don't think that guy would think that Batman he's, Returns was he a shit, he, he said, I'm one of the most hated men in comic books. He said that. Well, okay. I don't like comic books. The writer said it. Jesus Christ, I don't like comic books, Joe. Like saying a movie about, you know, Jesus where he's a pimp is good or something. If I could watch the fucking Avengers or Batman Returns ten times, I'd watch Batman Returns ten times. Listen, I'm not saying you got to love the Avengers. I'm just saying Batman well, Returns. Well, everybody loves the Avengers. I no. don't love it. Everybody loves okay. Batman Returns, according to you. I love a movie that doesn't have to be three hours long. Look, I'm not uh, Do you hear me? Do you hear me defending the Avengers? People do love Batman. I like the Avengers. And they, they they really don't. All right. Buster Poindexter. My friends love Batman Returns. But I've I, met your friends. Yeah. Well, not I, a bright bunch. Them. No, they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> this, the cat is killing Buster Poindexter. This was pretty effective. I guess this is what they couldn't afford in the original Creep Show. I don't think it was that they couldn't afford one of the effects in the story. I think they didn't have enough money to make five stories, so they only made three, and they cut two. Oh, okay. That's all. That's all. This is pretty gross. Yeah, it's great. I thought the cat would burst out the tum-tum. It's grosser that it comes back out of his mouth. But I like that the cat crawls into his stomach mm-hmm. and just kind of incubates in there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Is that the right term? Uh, it works. Why not? I'm very excited for the next story to come on. First, we've got to get through the end of this story. Yeah, the last story was the best. I mean... Fantastic. And it's got a real dirty 80s New York feel to it. Yeah, it reminded me a little of After Hours, which is a great Scorsese movie that... It always... Underseen, I would say. It always makes me think of The Fly. Mm-hmm. Similar to similar the vibe. Goldblum one. Yeah, like the, these people live in these big lofts, and they're all artists and creators. That's what After Hours was as well. And they have no money or anything like that. You know? I wonder, like, you think William Hickey's like, all right, you got to spray him with blood, fine. You got to do a couple takes, whatever. Or is he, like, just a miserable guy about it? What do you think? I bet you, I would be willing to bet William Hickey was probably a joy. Maybe. I would, I would think. Maybe. I would think he was probably a joy to be around. He's got a Burgess Meredith vibe. I would bet you Burgess Meredith was a joy. He was also, William Hickey was in, what's what? the, oh, My Blue Heaven. Yep. As the mob yeah. guy hiding out. And he was in Pertzizana. Yeah. My Blue Heaven does not 
pulled up. How dare you? Okay, watch it. How da- I, I own it, Pat. Yeah, I do, too. I watch it frequently. No, it does not it's hold up. a wonderful up. film. Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, two of my all-time faves. Steve Martin is so miscast in that part. He's and great in it. He is so unrealistic and not even attempting to be realistic in that part. Watching it as an adult, I was like, this is one of the few movies where I can just say I was wrong as a child. I disagree. I say Steve Martin walks a fine line between cartoonishness and realism. Oh, sure. Well, then watch it again. I've watched it a few months ago. Realism, Joe. I always watch it. (laughs) Realism. (laughs) He's ridiculous. It's a broader character than most of his comedic characters, like his non-mafia character. I like the role. I think he makes it somehow believable. Oh. I buy it the whole time. Oh. Because the guy was a pastor. (laughs) What What are... What are some of the lies he's telling when he's, like, dribbling that basketball? Why do we find all those stolen textbooks in your trunk of your car? Because I was delivering them. His whole thing is that he's always lying uh-huh. to get out of stuff. I yeah. can't remember any of it, though. I forget. Well, that's because it's a very forgettable movie. It's, it's, not a it's pro- structured terribly. There's, like, no yeah. story to it at all. That's stupid. You're stupid sometimes. Look, I would have loved it as a kid. It's, it's a horribly structured and plotted and acted film i love jane cusack and the music is bad her name is joan cusack or joan cusack i, I always love, love her she's always a bright spot but come on uh i love the soundtrack my blue heaven is a wonderful song yeah well that, that's fine you can like the song my blue heaven there's a wonderful version of it in the film it's it's the, the version that's the version of it well there are many versions of it pat it's a standard what's well, the big standard. one the biggest one for sure. You know, Sinatra did a version of it. Many, many people. I don't know if there's one that you know. You know, uh, 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 what's that people? called? I Quintessential this might be version. the final episode. <laughs> this might just be the final episode. Why are you getting angry? Never liked this guy's stand up. I'm just gonna say that. Too. Robert Klein. Yeah. Every time you're they're interviewing any comedian over fifty, it's like, well, obviously Robert Klein was a huge influence. All right, great, but he's not funny. I think he was like the first of. Uh, he was like sort of like I think the first like alt comic. Like he was the first guy to kind of like yeah be casual and wear sweaters and yeah. You know. I've never seen a full set or something. Even I just I never. I own his box set. I own every one of his specials, and it's you know it's not totally for me, but I respect what the man did. Okay. You know. Sure. Can I tell you that? Sure. And he plays a good agent in this story. It's kind of the right. Looks like Neil Brennan a little bit to me. He does, and I can't remember what else I've seen him in. Remember when bars like this existed? Look at this bar they're in. Well, they it's, existed in these movies for sure. Far, they also exist everywhere in St. Louis, Missouri, if you want to come home with me this Christmas. Pat, get, get involved in a darts tournament or I two. I thought you'd never ask. Hey, if you, you ever get, wanted to play uh, a three-hour game of darts while Papa Roach plays, head to St. Louis <laughs> and go to a bar. But this is a great little dive bar. Look at this. This is what you call your local. Nice. I, nice. I love spots like this, man. This guy has been in... A thousand movies? James Remar. He's in so many movies. He's in Django Unchained. He's always fine, you know. I love James Remar. Yeah, he gets the job done. Plays a good, uh, when they when they put him up to it and he plays a dirt ball, he's very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's about to make love to Ray Dawn Chong, who was a, a big 80s babe. I think she might have a body double in this. What the hell happened to her? She's a good looking woman. Still? She fills out a sweater, I'll tell you that much. I dated a girl briefly that looked like Ray Darn Chung. 
and it didn't work out, unfortunately. She's right on gone, you know? Oh, Jesus. Yes, she is. I'm looking her up right now. I tell you this, Joe. You say to me she's right on gone, I'd, I'd laugh, and we'd have a nice time. I was <laughs> You're just in this mode where you got to shit on everything I say. Not, I don't think the I'm listeners want that. I'm just teasing you a little bit, for God's sakes. Don't get all sensitive she's on She's right me, on gone. She's right on. She is. Maybe, Patch, ever think maybe it hurts that she's gone? It was and I'm like not a, ready to joke about it. Sure. Have you ever thought about that? No, I didn't. I don't think that's of the case here at all. Did, now, cross. did she die right on Chong? I believe she did. Did she die? I thought she died. I might no. be wrong. Okay. All right, Joe. <laughs> I don't think so. I wonder so. why uh, Radon left. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I'm all worried. Every up. sentence I say is squatted over and now shat I'm worried on. Now I'm worried that she died. Give me a second here. No, she's not dead. How about Maria Conchita Alonso? Did she die? Another tri-named 80s babe? I believe that she did die. Okay. Yes. How about Mary Elizabeth Antonio from The Abyss? No, she's you alive. You like The Abyss? Uh, no. Oh, fuck. The Abyss is such a great, great movie. Well, you don't like James Cameron. I'm not a big fan of his work. And I, I hate Avatar. I'll give you that, but... I mean, the uh, abyss, Terminator Two, and aliens. Like, what? What more do you want? Terminator Two sucks. All right. Well, let's let's move past. I can't do this tonight. I when can't was the last time tonight. you watched it? I watch it a lot. I mean, you want to shit on My Blue Heaven? Watch Terminator Two. It's just as ridiculous. <laughs> but it's it's a science fiction movie. So. <sighs> My Blue Heaven was the anchor man of its day. It was supposed to be ridiculous. Joe, I will slap the drink out of your hand. <laughs> My Blue Heaven should have starred, and he was per- he was the perfect age and everything. He should have it should have starred Alec Baldwin, coming off a of Beetlejuice and a Miami Blues, and he could have done it all in that movie. There's your Ray Dawn. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's hot. No comment on Alec Baldwin being the perfect choice for My Blue Heaven. You don't. You never comment when you know I'm right. I listen. I didn't say you were wrong. It's an interesting premise. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It'd be good. They're just. All right. I'm just kind of getting sad now because I'm looking at Radon and thinking of that girl I dated that looked like her. And all right. How it didn't work out. Give her a call tonight. She'll appreciate. There's it. There's Radon naked for real. Okay, then maybe they're they're the real deal. She looked in this movie. I I paused it. I'll be honest with you. Also, this is a great monster for a $3 million budget. That's her now, though. Oh. All right. Well, she's an old, I, you know. I she's, hate that I, I had mean, she's that not, reaction. She's to not a woman old, naturally but she's an older aging. woman, yeah. I'm she's, sorry. You know, that's all. She's probably in her 60s at this None point. None of us would want them 25 years later put up against a photo of them from back in the past. She was born in 61, so what is she, 56? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. No, 54. That this demon is really scary in this one. Yeah, I just said it was a great demon on a low budget. No bullshit. I also dated a girl I'm that kind of looked like that demon. back of that demon. Carlsberg beer. You dated I a girl look at that demon. Kind of looked like that demon in a weird way. Like if there was like a pretty version of that demon, that's what she looked like. Did you miss and her once, show? once no, once I realized that, I couldn't get past it. Mm-hmm. Had to break up with her over it. A lot of relationships I've had are just something that I've been like. Mm, and I get fixated on. I think my a lot of that might be growing up with Seinfeld. I called my buddy out on it the other day that he finds something with every girl like date two, and they're always ludicrous. And I think it's growing up with Seinfeld. 
and these start to seem like normal reasons to end relationships. Every week, Jerry having like ma- she has got man hands, she's got a high voice, she's got a low voice, whatever it is, they start to seem like good reasons to end relationships with beautiful, intelligent women because of Seinfeld. Well, I believe that those premises were written because they are good reasons to break up with somebody, and that's where those jokes came from, and that's why they're so relatable. Yeah, I mean, but in order to survive and be in a relationship that goes anywhere, you have to be willing to look past stuff that's a lot smaller than Jerry and George threw away. Yeah, it's 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 the women that George Costanza threw away, looking like he did, are are just mind-boggling with no money. He's worse in uh, he's even worse in Shallow Hal, where he dumps that like really hot chick because she's got the weird long tail, and then all along he's hiding a tail. A tail? He has a tail. That's the final gag in the movie. He has a vestigial tail. Is that a real thing that people get? Maybe one or two, probably. What the hell is that? What's a vestigial? T- what is that? He mean? just he like you don't remember this? He shakes his tail. You start talking about shallow hell, then I chime in with another fact about shallow hell. I'm just asking a question, Pat. We can't go on like this. I'm asking a question. What's no? I don't know the Fairley Brothers process. What does but that mean? What's a vestigial tail mean? I don't know what's what the, the word vestigial mean. You're, you're holding a, an iPad, looking up pictures of uh, topless Radon Chong. Why don't you Google vestigial? You use the word you. I think vestigial means like you have a little bit of a tail, but in the movie he has an actual tail. How long is it? It's like a very small flaccid penis, and he wags it at the end of the movie. I spelled vestigial wrong first, or or correct, I spelled it correct first try. Maybe it's a tail that falls off? Oh, that can't be a real photo. No, of course not. It's like an elongated spine sort of situation. Uh, here we go. Human uh, vestigiality. Uh, it says uh, that involves those traits occurring in humans that have lost all or most of their original function through evolution. Although, sh- I don't fucking know. All this right. is, uh, they have already past. lost me with this description. Speaking of Shallow Hal, I went the other night. A buddy of mine had floor uh, tickets to see the Foo Fighters, who I loved in high school and really haven't liked their music since that's the real vestigial tail why did you show me it does look like a little dick coming out of the guy's back go ahead sorry uh so yeah i went to the foo fighter show i knew i didn't like their music anymore but it didn't matter they played a lot of the old classics they were great and jack black came out and sang a full and pretty amazing version of rush's tom sawyer oh that's pretty cool and it was great and then stevie nicks came out with heim and they did Stop Dragging My Heart Around and Gold Dust Woman. And Who that was really awesome, Heim? too. Heim uh, is sort of our modern-day Fleetwood Mac. It's three very young girls, and they make awesome pop dance kind of music, and they're great. And the Foo Fighters played the, the Tom Sawyer music, and Jack Black sang it? Yeah, and he was it was spot on. And Jack Black was looking heavier than I've ever seen him, and he's a heavy guy. Really? I hope he's okay. Uh, tell me, give me the Foo Fighters set. Uh, you know, they played from their entire career, but like, you know, they definitely picked the songs from their later albums that are pretty good, like a Best of You and a, you know, Pretender and those songs that I, I, I'm not interested in them anymore. But they kept the hits coming, and they played enough of the first three albums that I was interested. Look at that. That's 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 Ray. Is Dawn. that all Ray Don? That's Ray Don's Chong. 
They're making my Ray there. Dawn long. There you go. There you go. Uh, you think Ray Dawn Chong could get a job on Ray Donovan? <laughs> Ray Dawn. She's two-thirds of the way there. Ray Donovan Chong. <laughs> Ray Donovan Chong. Is this something? Is this a hot sketch we could pitch I mean, over at the UCB? This, now, this is the 80s, and they just had sex after <laughs> meeting 10 minutes ago. In I didn't see a rubber. Warehouse loft. If I lived in New York in the 80s, I wouldn't have had sex with anybody. It just felt like a like a living STD, the yeah. whole place. Yeah. You know? And it was during the scare of everything. Oh, God. I would have been terrified. I guess now, I mean, obviously it's still a big frightening thing, but uh, you never hear anyone say, like, oh, my buddy got AIDS. I'm going to. I'm just not, talking any STD. But you heard it a lot back then, I would imagine, from people I know who live there. It's just like, oh, another friend of mine, another friend of mine. Hopefully we're kind of out of the wood. You hear about this douchebag hedge fund guy who bought the rights to the AIDS pill, jacked it from $13 to $750, $750? Wait, what? Look up the story once we're done, but it's this hedge fund dude. The picture they have of him is, like, with two thumbs pointed at his dick. He's, like, a, the ultimate, like, douchebag bro frat guy. Right. He bought the rights to the AIDS pill that, like, takes care of the ATZ, most serious form of AIDS. Not ATZ, but another, you know, very, uh, obviously, it's a very important pill to people with the AIDS virus. Sure. He bought it, and he raised the price from $13.50 to $750 per pill. And they confronted him about it, and they were like, you're a monster. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, you guys really shouldn't be mad at me about this. Yeah, you guys should probably calm down about that. Like, just like these weird deferring methods. What? But he's just kind of destroying lives. Like, he, like he's like, if you want these pills, 750 bucks. A it's a, He's a sick, sick man. And how and many do you need to? He's the most hated guy in America, if you get on Twitter or whatever. It, how it, many do you need to survive? Uh, it's for a certain, it's for a certain, uh, symptom of aids that like more serious patients need i believe i want to look it up right now well i, I would look it up after it's just a, it's an interesting fact all right i'll look it up after and by that i mean sort of now there's interviews servicing with them and shit it's a big news story jesus i didn't hear about that yeah then again i'm terrible at reading the news you know i often go back and forth i the anything related to the news the world whatever is so depressing that i avoid it and i realize that makes me one of the head in the sand kind of people but uh, also like what do i need to be more depressed about other things too like i know everything sucks i i don't need to read all about it it's i mean i tr look i i listen to the news every morning and i try to read a bit too uh i know enough it's a lot of bad news you know? It's all bad. I mean, that's the game they're in. It's like I ask people at work, hey, what's going on this weekend? Well, you know, it's supposed to be 110 degrees out. Why are you looking up the weather? Just live your fucking life. You're going to, on a Wednesday, be dreading the weekend because it's going to be hot? I got to admit, I, I'll often I'll often look up the weather early. I mean, uh, people do it on vacation, too. You can go on vacation, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be this. Like, Come on, man. It really sucks. YOLO. It really Go low, baby. But the but the, you know the weather the weather can impact your weekend. You when you know you, maybe you say I want to go outside on Saturday and then you see it's going to be 110 degrees. Yeah. 
What are you doing this weekend? I got a wedding. What's that about? My buddy Sean Clements, who does a great podcast called Hollywood Handbook that I recommend. I was on it. Um, but they're all very funny. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's what about it, all the plans that, Saturday? I got. Saturday at the National History Museum. Natural History Museum. In town here. Yeah. All right, well, that's nice. I love an in-town wedding. All my friends have weddings on Saturday. I don't. The hell am I going to do? Going to any of them? Sit around with my dick in my hand on Saturday. Sounds like a good Saturday to me. Hey. Am I wrong? Hey. That's my reaction to that. Am I wrong? I'm giving you the hey. Calmer than you are, dude. I'm giving you a hey. That that was a that was a that was an affirmative response. There's an element of uh what? of a uh, Walter Sobchak, John Goodman and Lebowski to you. To me? Not certainly not in the weight, but just in the uh hair trigger temper. Oh, the anger God. about a lot of things, the argumentative nature. Who's got a heart? Listen, when I first saw the Big Lebowski, I said I related to the, that character actually. Mm-hmm. So I can't argue with you totally. It's a hilarious cast. I just read a great, ah, fuck, I think it was on Film Drunk. I always hate this when I read a great article and I want to give the person credit, but I don't remember who it was. But uh, it's about uh, this big giant theory. It was a giant article about how they thought that Big Lebowski was about how the real way to be is to just be like a sponge and absorbing what people say and not engaging with their bullshit. Sure. They're talking about how the dude is very... Just like anytime anybody's yelling at him or whatever, he's just walking away and he's like, oh, I don't need this or whatever. And people talking too much is uh, what drives him nuts and like what the downfall is of the movie. And it was all about how the movie's about the needless talking that people do. And whether it was what the Coens intended or not, it's a fascinating article. I urge you to look it up. All right. I would like to. Uh, I would like to read this article. I love that kind of shit. I think I talked about it on this podcast. I had a. Fil- I did the first one. I had a film professor who would find the gay agenda in any movie, and even though you knew it wasn't intended most of the time, it was just fascinating shit. I like people's theories, people's weird ideas on stuff. That's it. Nice. All right. Fair enough. Look Fair it enough. up. I'll look it up. Good article. If you're watching along with us, we're really uh, like a goonier Neil Brennan. The guy does, yeah. If you're watching along with us, the weird-looking Neil Brennan guy is on screen again, um, and they're at uh, James Remar's. I can't remember his character's name. Uh, they're at his art showing. He's he started drawing pictures of this demon right. thing, and uh, but not showing them to anybody. But the but the the process of doing that inspired him and invigorated him, and now his art is doing well again. And he's with Ray Don Chong, who's Super hot, and yet uh, is sleeping with this man, even though it looks <laughs> like he fell into a vat of Crisco right earlier that day. Uh, I mean, is now is Remar? I mean, I'm not trying to shit on the guys. Is is he a good-looking guy by '80s standards? He looks greasy. Remar, I think, has given me a poor man's Mickey Rourke '80s vibe. You know, right? He's just kind of there nowadays. He's much more of a character actor type dude. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, he's all right. Yeah, he's not bad looking, but so it's a. This I mean, was definitely a time where everyone could have fucked up teeth. I mean, RDC though is like a ten. Sure, but I buy these two as a couple, and I like the casual interracial vibe of it without calling attention <laughs> to it. If I can be honest with you. 
That's, uh, you know, I, it's something I always admired about this film. My mom said that to me when she took me to see this. Did she really? No. Oh. No, Pat. I mean, this was very unusual for the time period. Didn't strike me as odd when I saw it. That's good. You're a very enlightened kid. I was always very open-minded. I remember going to see The Pelican Brief at the Dollar Show with my dad, and that was kind of my first discussion of race with my dad, because I was like, so wait, like, Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts, for two and a half hours, are like running around together, and in any other movie, they would have been a couple. They would have hooked up at some point. Right. Why did that not happen? And my dad was like... Well, I, I, you know, I think it's uh, just uh, hard for a mainstream audience. Uh, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. But your dad was for it. Uh, he seemed to be. I mean, any discussion of sexuality caused the car to become icily silent, so we kind of <laughs> stopped talking about it. But Right. Um, but you got, the, you got the idea that he saw the flaw or fault in the public yeah. and not... Not that he agreed with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a pretty shitty thing. I mean, like, obviously any movie like that, especially a big John Grisham kind of thriller, the the two incredibly attractive leads are going to fuck. And in this movie, they were like pals, Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. It was kind of fucked up. Now, who does Tom Cruise bang in The Firm? Does he bang with The Firm? That's a... <laughs> I love The Firm. I just rewatched it. And I was saying, I was saying, we're talking sex, and it's called the firm. Yeah, exactly. What, uh, what is he? Who does he bang in it? His wife is Jean Triplehorn, uh, who used to be Ben Stiller's wife. Jean Triplehorn. I always think that's the lady love. from All in the Family. No, it's Jean Stapleton. <laughs> but uh, no, he cheats on his wife uh, in like the Bahamas or something, and it's one of my favorite scenes ever in the movies. Is Wilford Brimley. That movie has the best cast of character actors ever. Yeah. Holly Hunter's awesome in it. Gene Hackman. All these amazing people. Tobin Bell, who played Jigsaw down the line in the Saw movies. But uh, Brimley has pictures of Tom Cruise fucking this woman on the beach, who they, like, set him up to fuck, Mm -hmm. to blackmail him. And uh, Brimley starts going through the photos, and he's like, you know, uh, wives by nature tend to be okay with the occasional... uh, slip up early on in a marriage <laughs> but these are the kind of intimate acts oral and such that a young wife won't forgive so if you can imagine a tight shot of wilford brimley saying oral and such it's just such a fantastic scene i was cackling when i watched it recently <laughs> Oral and such. He's got one of the best scenes on Seinfeld ever when he goes, you know, oh, as he the goes, postal guy, yeah. Yeah. I work for the post office and I also happen to be a general. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> also wonder, like, did he know he was funny? Because he seems to be humorless. <laughs> Him in uh, In and Out, the great Kevin Klein movie, In and Out. Yeah. Who does he play in that again? He plays the Joan Cusack's father. To bring it back to Cusack. And uh, best line of that. So it's based on that Tom Hanks speech where he outed his high school drama teacher yeah. when he won for Philadelphia. But Kevin Klein's not ready to come out. It's a very funny movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I love it and out. And uh, so they, it's on the Oscars and he's like, uh, you know, the reveal that Kevin Klein is gay. And they're all talking about how outraged they are. They go around the room with how outraged they are. And then Wilford Brimley goes, he mowed my lawn once. Never again. <laughs> it's like 
talking about like an Academy Award winning <laughs> actor. It really cracked me up at the time. <laughs> he, uh, I, the In and Out was a uh, was a special genre of comedy uh, that came out in the late '90s. It was a very specific type of comedy. Saw it on had, a double feature with The Game, starring Michael Douglas. Loved it. Those comedies in the late '90s, those mainstream comedies, very, very uh, uh, glossy, shiny look to them. Yeah. Uh, very whimsical, quirky soundtracks. A lot of horns and things, <laughs> and and people sneaking around and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Grumpy old men is one of those sure. movies. Like you know, like an orchestra. I actually yeah. hate that style of music in comedies. It bugs me. Most comedy music bugs me. I like a silent, awkward comedy most of the time. Sure. But, uh, yeah, 80s and 90s were bad times for scores and comedy. Planes, Trains, yeah. and Automobiles is pretty much my favorite comedy, I would say. And the music in that is really fucking annoying. It's like this weird digital. At one point, they do a, a remix using Steve Martin's dialogue from the yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. Like a rap song. I it's know. so terrible. And, and but I just they, block it out, and I love the movie. When they turn that digital mu- mu- music sad, it's it's it's. I mean, it's just it's it's horrible. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's it really is. Boom, 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 boom. That's so sad. God, it's because it's so cold. Yeah, detached. Yeah. I uh, we talked. I think on this podcast about how I sold this old copy of Gator Bait, this like VHS movie, like how yeah. I used to you know sell things once they go out of print. And I, because I loved the movie so much, I had a copy of the soundtrack to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a used copy. The soundtrack was terrible. Yeah. And I sold that for, wait for it, $500. Of a CD? It had gone out of print. I found it in a used record store, and I was like, $1? Yeah, it's, I love the movie. I'll buy the soundtrack. And five years later, I'm like, I wonder what, if this is worth anything. Like, I, you don't hear a lot of people talking about the Planes, Trains, and Automobiles soundtrack. It was on Amazon for five hundred dollars. I put mine up for like you know four ninety nine, and it sold the next day. The next day, the next day, at a time when I really fucking needed money, and that's something I'm going to recommend to all of you out there. You got a big uh, collection of anything? Hop online and see if it's worth any money. Because that got a, me through some really rough times. This is a strong recommendation for the audience, Pat. You heard it here first, guys. Try to find things that are rare and out of print. <laughs> Sit on them for. I'm saying I'm not saying try years. to find them. I'm saying you might have them. That's what I'm saying. And then sell them online to people. I that guess are that culture has become bigger minds. now. At the time, I felt like I had really stumbled upon something great because that's the only way I made rent each month was doing little scams like this. <laughs> Criterion's uh, are great to buy and hold on to. They go out of print. Now here's my question: uh, We're at the big twist of the final story here, where James Remar was attacked by the demon. Then he meets Radong Chong. The demon makes him promise he'll never tell. Great effects. Ten years later, he's got a beautiful family. He finally opens up to Radong Chong and says, this is what attacked me the night I met you. Did you see this twist coming? Yeah, totally. You did? I did. From the jump of it? No, not from the jump. Uh, but I knew that once he was like, don't tell anyone, that obviously he was going to tell someone. But, I mean, did you think he would tell her and she would be the demon? Uh, no, I guess not. I thought the demon would pop in through the window or something like, hey, guys. Right. Sure. Did sure. I think the demon would have that rack? No. <laughs> Do I appreciate now, if it? You, now, yes. pretend you're a single man. Yeah. 
Well, actually, we could just do this with your current girlfriend. Okay. Your girlfriend comes to you tomorrow. She says, Pat, here's the deal. I'm actually this demon. Uh-huh. But you love me. And uh, as long as you never mention it again, we can just stay together, and I'll always look like this to you. But just know that deep down underneath, I'm this demon, and if you ever mention it, it'll, it'll <laughs> come out. Do you, do you, do you go... Uh, Is she cool with it if we break up, or does that trigger the demon? Yeah, no, you have the option of breaking up. Do you break up, or do you go, ah, I can... Why put can, me in this position? Out of sight, out of mind. I'm, like, I'm why put really, me in a position that's going to like jeopardize my relationship? It won't jeopardize your no, relationship. It's, it's such an absurd thing. I, I, I'm, um, I, I'm truly curious, because I wonder how I would I don't react. I want to be with a demon. You figure she's got, like, contacts in hell. But there would be no you also figure you, a demon's not going to be very trustworthy. There'd be no part of you that's, like, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> no, not with a demon. Here's the sad news. You're saying she's a, a demon with a heart of gold? No, it's it's just she's like Ray Dawn. She's like a nice girl, and, you know, unless you say something, then she has to, yeah. then she turns into a demon. Well, it's it's real sad when the kids turn into the fucking demons. That's rough, isn't it? They, I think that's why they made them cute, so it would seem less rough. I guess they're kind of cute, but then they all turn to stone here at the end. They're gargoyles. Turn to stone. Uh, here's sad news for the uh, guy that paid five hundred dollars for your. <laughs> oh, I bet it's worth nothing now. Uh, you can just download the soundtrack or stream it for free uh, on Amazon Music. Uh, How much is the CD though? Well, I am only seeing the cassette for forty five dollars. Still, that's pretty good because that's just an example of a movie that was kind of like an okay thing, and now it's become like a beloved Thanksgiving classic. Yeah, well, people are like, "Oh, I'd love the soundtrack," and then they go up and look online. And if they got a lot of money, they're like, "All right, if that's what it costs, I'll pay it." Forty-five dollars for a cassette. I mean, you know, God bless. I mean, the weird thing is, only would you put the iPad down, Pat? It's my job as it's not. As I'm trying to connect with you. I'm connecting with you. I'm the information guy on the podcast. All right. I look things up. Deborah Harry, we didn't mention, is the lead singer of Blondie. Who didn't know that? Hopefully you would know. She was so hot, man. I imagine a lot of people didn't know that, Joe, who are listening to the podcast. Who the Not everyone knows know that, that the lead singer of Blondie is Debbie Harry. I think everybody knows that. Is this La- is one of the Lawrences dead? Joe, we're, What's talking, with you we're with probably talking to half the people who don't even know what Blondie what is. What is with you with people dying tonight? You thought Ray Dawn Chong was dead? She's 54, for Christ's sakes. Well, I know uh, Jonathan Brandis killed himself. Yes. I'm going to look up the I Lawrence thought one movie. of the Lawrences was dead, but I might be wrong. And don't yell at me now. Why do I have the iPad? This is why. You ask a question like, is one of the Lawrences dead? What, are we going to just let it hang out there? No, but when I look over and you're perusing, you know, Etsy for a... Um, <laughs> You know, Nothing new, of the uh, sort is happening. A new blouse. Nothing of the sort is happening. A new blouse with a print of Ryan Gosling's <laughs> face on it. Uh, hold on a second. Let's see here. Uh, Joey Lawrence. Whatever happened to him? Whoa. Joey Lawrence is alive, and he's on the show Joey and Melissa or something on the Kids Network. What is that? Like a like a Nickelodeon sitcom? Yeah, it's like a, uh, you know. Disney Channel or one of those. Disney he looks Disney. weird. Look at Joey Lawrence. He looks like he's made of claymation. Yeah, why Why does he look like that? Probably that, had filler, plastic surgery. 
Is that what that is? It looks like filler to me, which I learned about very recently. What's filler? Filler is similar to Botox, but you're basically putting a skin-like substance into the wrinkles in your face, and then you wind up looking very strange. Oh, God. And a lot of people do filler. You look so weird. Yeah. The movie's over. It just ended. Because I'm looking up, and I missed the endings. I'm looking up this goddamn Joey Lawrence question you had. You don't have to. I know Joey Lawrence is alive. I don't know about Matthew Lawrence. No, I know know Joey's alive. Matthew Matty Lawrence alive, so. holding it together. Look at that kid. Looks sharp. Looking really good. Good for you, Matthew. Who's the other one? Andrew Lawrence. Matthew Lawrence is in Plants and Automobiles. Uh, he's Steve Martin's very cute son. Yeah. Uh, and Ma- Matthew Lawrence was noogies. also on uh, Boy Meets World, was he not? No, that was Fred Savage's brother, Ben Savage. No, but Matthew Lawrence played his friend, didn't he? No, that was Ryder Strong, which is a, a the, gay poor name if I ever heard one. The other friend. Hold on, I'm I'm looking this up. I don't think so, but maybe. Television. He was on Gimme a Break. Okay, that seems right. He was on Blossom as Young Joey. Okay. Drexel's class. I bet Joey went into the producers and he was like, Hey, I gotta yeah. get my brother on the show. Boy Meets World. He looks just like me. Boy Meets World, sixty eight episodes. All right. Played Jack Hunter. You want to talk about another gay porn? Jack name? Hunter and Ryder Strong. Wow. Uh he also uh, was on Drexel's class to bring up our old boy Dabney, Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coles, I used to watch Drexel's class. It was on at the same time as the Sinbad show. I, I think I was watching the Sinbad show. And during a period when The Simpsons was on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Patty, we got another podcast under our belt here. We did. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, we're on iTunes. We're on all those little fringy side podcast places. We'd love a review. You click the stars. You say Joe and Pat are great. We love the show. If you do, I don't need you to lie. Where but if you're listening to the fifth episode, you probably like us. We'd love to hear your suggestions, and we love your tweets. I'm at the Patrick Walsh. Joe is at Joe DeRosa Comedy, and that goes for all social media. And we'll be at the Mile High Comedy Festival October 3rd, sat, whatever the Saturday, Saturday is. Saturday, October 3rd, yeah. and we're at 8.20 a.m. Maniac Cop 2. Maniac Cop 2. Come on out. Drink with us. We're going to drink all the, – basically, Pat Mai's plan is we get up at 7 a.m. to yeah. do an 8.20 a.m. podcast, uh, and then we're just going to drink all day. I'm going to say this, convention I am at my funniest with a drink or two under my belt, and also at my funniest when I wake up way too early and I'm in a bad mood. This could be a real funny combination for I think you. it's going to be a great time. I'm probably going to break Joe's balls a lot. I think we're going to laugh and have a real nice time. I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've done a lot of morning radio in my day. I'm good in the morning. Okay. Especially if I'm drinking. You like morning sex? No. No? Big fan. All right. Well, that's another time and Big another fan. discussion. All right. Save that for the Mr. Robot podcast. You're fresh, you know. You're, you feel fit because you just like woke up. It's not fresh. I feel like it's it's you've been sleeping all night. Things are caking up and going well, stale. I'm a sexual being. If that's a crime, lock me up. <laughs> you've been listening to ladies. Us. We're coming to your town, Denver, <laughs> October third. Yeah. And I would consider having sex with you even if you're secretly a demon. (laughs) Because I do believe in the out of sight, out of mind. Sure. 
This has two stars on Netflix, by the way. It's ridiculous. They're, they're, they're so harsh with the Netflix ratings, it makes me furious. Everything is two stars. It's absurd. I bet Batman Returns doesn't. Uh, you've been listening to We'll See You in Hell, a presentation of the Fangoria Podcast Network, produced by Thomas DeFeo, executive produced by our friend Ken Hanley of Fangoria Entertainment for press opportunities, advertising, inquiry, inquiries, and information about We'll See You in Hell. Contact Ken at Fangoria.com. Thanks, guys.